This week we are uh, continuing our series in the book of Hebrews. We are uh, in the 10th chapter at this point. We were going to preach this sermon last week. And then Matt got up here and gave an admonition to our graduating seniors and to the body. And the spirit just moved through him. And sometimes you just got to let the spirit do what it wants to do. And so that's what we did last week. Matt had the word, and I wanted to get up and just encourage and go along with that. And then, you know, felt led that we should pray over our graduates. And, you know, that's the interesting thing sometimes about walking in the Spirit, following the Spirit, walking by faith. He doesn't always do the things that we expect him to do. He doesn't always go the route that we have planned. We might have certain things planned out for ourselves, and that's not at all what God is thinking for that day. And so it's good for us to be sensitive to that and realize where God is leading us and moving us. And it may look different than we first think, but it's good for us to follow that. In fact, that's the right way for us to follow and walk with God. But this week we're going to pick up in in where I was going to have us. Uh, Again, we've been in a series for the past several weeks now throughout the book of Hebrews. We've gone into this incredibly deep dive into this incredible book that teaches us about the new covenant in ways that we wouldn't understand otherwise. As we dive into this, we, we are taught so much about what Jesus has done and what has changed now because of him and because we belong to him. We remember that as we look at this book, the author of Hebrews is showing us how Jesus Christ is greater, he is better, and he is superior to everything and everyone else throughout the entire entirety of Scripture. In fact, the author of Hebrews tells us that all these things in the Old Testament were just a shadow that pointed us to Christ Jesus, and that Jesus himself is the fullness of those shadows. That Jesus, he's greater than Moses, he's greater than Joshua, he's greater than Aaron, the first high priest. And in fact, he is the greatest high priest. He's the true high priest who ministers a better covenant that is established on better promises. And that is the covenant that we as Christians live in. That's what we live under. That's what we have come into by faith alone in Christ Jesus. And we see that in the past few chapters, we've seen how Jesus Christ, this ultimate, ultimate high priest, the true high priest, gave the ultimate sacrifice to God by his flesh, dying, pouring out his blood for our sins, that he could make us righteous and holy to God forever. That Jesus Christ, by one sacrifice, has perfected for all time those who draw near to God through him. So Jesus Christ will never die again. There will never be another sacrifice offered for your sins because Jesus' blood was sufficient for your salvation. It was sufficient to get you saved and sufficient to keep you saved. And now the author goes into a new section. He's been building us up for chapter and chapter and chapter, talking to us about Jesus' function as the great high priest, We saw the offering, how he entered into the true tabernacle, which was the true presence of God. We remember the earthly tent, the earthly tabernacle, the earthly temple. They just shadowed the things that were reality in heaven. They weren't the true substance. But when Jesus gave his offering, he went into the true presence of God for us. 
And now the author encourages us. He's made a lot of theological claims, taught us quite a bit about how we're not under this old covenant, how we are not under the law anymore. But now he's going to encourage us. Why? Because the author understands that we live in the real world. The early Christian church was persecuted. It was, it was put to death. People were, were persecuted, driven out of their homes, put to death, fed to lions for show, some of them. And understanding this, the author knows that he has to encourage us to continue in these things. In light of all these things that Jesus has done for us, in light of all these things that Jesus has given to us, how should we live? How should we go? What are the first things that he encourages us with? If you look in Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to begin reading in verses 19 through 25. Again, we've been talking about Jesus as our high priest, his perfect sacrifice once for all time, perfecting all those who draw near to God through him forever. And he says, therefore, in verse 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you look at this passage and you analyze it. You'll see a couple of things. The author, in two different places, says, since we have this and since we have that, now let us, let us do this, let us do that, let us do this. What he's showing us is the proper response to what we have received through Christ Jesus. He's showing us how we should then live this out and live under this new covenant, how he encourages us. And I want us to break this down so that we don't miss these things. You see there, uh, right here, he says, let us, since we have. Let's begin in verse 19. If you want to put verse 19 back up on the screen. Verse 19 says, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places. What he's talking about there is we can enter to the actual presence of God. And how do we do that? Well, by the blood of Jesus, of course. If the blood of Jesus has been poured out for our sins, we have confidence to go into the presence of God. Let me ask you this real quick. Do you have confidence when you go before God? Well, as a believer, you should. The scriptures plainly tell us right there, if you are a believer, if the blood of Jesus has been poured out for your sins, then you can go into the presence of God with confidence. Because of your Savior. 
you can enter into that with confidence because of the blood of Jesus. Because he is the great high priest who gave us that sacrifice, but also, too, because he is the son. This is an interesting thing when we think about Jesus. He holds so many different positions. It's, it's amazing when you think that he is the son of God, that he is the king over all the earth, that he is the great high priest. And how welcomed is Jesus into the presence of God? We know that if Jesus walked into the throne room of heaven, God welcomes him in celebrating, calling all of creation to celebrate his son. And it says we can enter into those holy places with confidence. And look at this in verse 20, what he says. By the new and living way. By the new and living way. This is a testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. We know this and understand this, but we know that Jesus Christ died, poured out his blood unto death. But the way that Jesus has made for us is a new and living way. It's a way that is still alive to this day. It's a way that is still open to this day so that every single person who believes in the Lord and calls upon his name shall be saved. It is the new and living way by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of the Son, through his very own flesh. It's incredible to think about that. Whenever you ever think to yourself, I've done this or that, I, I, I messed up today. I thought this, I did that, I, I didn't do this or do that. I, I'm so ashamed of myself, I can't go to God right now because me and God aren't on good terms. You think that because of something you did, or a sin you committed, or a thought you had, or a temptation that you gave into. So you think, well, I, I can't go before God right now because i got to get things right with me and God before I go be before God. That would absolutely make no sense. Because of Jesus' blood, every single sin has been paid for. You never have to be ashamed. And you can go before the very presence of God with confidence because of his son. And you go through that new living way. And it tells us here in verse 22. Well, actually, let me just back up. We have confidence to enter. I think about it this way. You know, we, we have three kids in our home, me and Emily. We have three wonderful, beautiful kids. And you know, one of the best parts of the evening, as every parent will agree with me, the best part of the evening is once you've gotten them all settled down in their beds, they're down, and then you go lay down in your bed and you got the TV on that moment when you sit down and the, you don't have to deal with the kids anymore, right? Because they're laid down in bed. They're, all, they're done. They're done bothering you for the night. They don't need anything more. You've gotten them their fifth round of juice and cookies. They need extra hugs and kisses and all that before bedtime. We all know it's a struggle to get the little ones down. But one of the best parts of the night is when you finally get to sit back and relax and think, I have nothing else to do tonight. I'm going to sit here with my wife and just enjoy myself and relax. And then what's the sound you inevitably hear at some point through the night? There's a little pitter-patter of feet come running through the hallway. And you can hear them coming. Right? You can hear them coming. 
And then all of a sudden, there's a little body, a little person standing in that little doorway, and they're looking at you, and they're waiting on that invitation to come into the room. They come to the room, and they're waiting on that invitation to come in. And when I, that happens at night, and I look up, and I see either any of my kids, my son or my daughters, when I look up at them, and I see my child right there standing in the doorway to come into our room for whatever reason, they are automatically welcomed in. I couldn't be happier to receive them. And I'm going to tell you what, if it's 9.30, 10.30 at night, and I look up in the doorway and one of y'all is there, we have a different story. <laughs> I joke about that, but when we think about drawing near to God, you know, all throughout Israel's history, they, they never could draw near to God. When God appeared to them on the mountain and even spoke to them, they said, no, 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 this is too much lest we die. They couldn't draw near to God. They were always separated from Him because of their sin. They were always separated from Him. But I, the reason I tell that story about my kids is because the way I see it and the way I understand it, because of Christ Jesus, because of His Son, because of our belief in Him, we have become sons and daughters. We get to show up in the doorway of God's room. And when he sees us there, he welcomes us in as his children. We're granted an access that throughout history, people never knew. They never got to enjoy what we get to enjoy because of our Savior. Just because we are his children through Christ Jesus. We can draw near. So since we have confidence to enter into the holy places... And since we have the great high priest, the great high priest, remember that Moses was faithful over God's house as a servant. Jesus was faithful over God's house as a son. The great high priest. Since we have this confidence through the blood of Jesus, and since we have that great high priest living and making intercession for us, always, to those who draw near, this is what it says in verse 22. It says, then since we have those two things, let us draw near. Let us draw near to God. And we draw near to God through the better hope. We've already read throughout the book of Hebrews that the law made nothing perfect. The law didn't really fully cleanse anybody. They never could actually draw near to God as we just spoke about. They always had something in between them. They always had something separating them. But again, Jesus Christ has perfected for all time those who draw near to God through him. Now, quick, uh, quick disclaimer here on that. Does that mean that you go out from this place because you're a believer and everything you do in this world is perfect? No. You're not perfect in all the things that you do or think or say, but you are born again. You are made new. You do have that new heart and the new spirit as a believer that has been given to you. And as far as righteousness is concerned with God, you are perfect before the Lord. Otherwise, the scripture is mistaken. It says that Jesus Christ has perfected for all time those who draw near to God through him. So either you are perfectly righteous with God because of Jesus, 
or the scripture's wrong and we miss something. We can draw near to God. And I, and I love the way it says this with a true heart, with our hearts sprinkled clean. This is from that passage back in Ezekiel 36 that we read a couple of weeks ago when he says that I will sprinkle you with clean water and I will cleanse you from all your uncleanliness. I will give you a new heart and I will give you a new spirit. And he says, my spirit I will put inside of you. Because you have been born again because you have Christ interceding as that high priest, you can draw near to God with your heart cleansed. Fully, totally, completely cleansed from an evil conscience. Think about that. You don't have to worry about sin separating you from God because Jesus did what with your sin? By his one sacrifice, he took away sin is what he said. So either Jesus took that away from you or he failed at his mission. And I'm not willing to believe that Jesus failed at anything he was doing. When the scripture says that he took away sin and we read all those verses about how God remembers them no more, how they're far as the east is from the west, how he casts them into the depths of the sea, how he doesn't bring them against you, how when Jesus returns for believers, he returns not to deal with sin because he's already dealt with it. So you can draw near to God with a pure heart and a pure conscience. All because of Christ Jesus and his blood. All because we have been washed totally and perfectly righteous in him. This reminds us of what is said in the book of Acts. If you've been going, coming to our Wednesday night study, remember whenever Peter was given that vision and he saw the white sheet with all kinds of animals on it. And, and the voice from heaven told him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean. And the voice told him, it said, do not call unclean what I have made clean. Do not call common or unclean what I have made clean. And listen to me, believer, I'm here to declare to you today, if you believe in Christ Jesus, God himself has declared you clean. Do not call unclean what God has cleansed. That is what the scripture says. If Christ Jesus has cleansed you, he has cleansed you fully. You better believe in that. He does not fail in anything he does and he doesn't do anything halfway. That is why you can draw near with a true heart, a new heart in full assurance of faith. You don't have to wonder if God's going to receive you. You don't have to wonder if these promises are true. You don't have to wonder if God loves you. You don't have to wonder if you're forgiven. Why do you not have to wonder? Because he who promised is faithful. And if you are believing and basing everything off of God's faithfulness and off of God's ability to keep his promises, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be uncertain. You don't have to be unsure. Not because of you. Not because of your behavior. Not because of your performance. Not because of your ability but because he who promised you is faithful. God is faithful. 
And because of that, we can draw in full assurance of faith. We've been united to him with faith. Remember what it said back in chapter 4 that the Israelites, they heard the good news. They heard the promises of God, but it didn't do them any good because they didn't unite their hearing with faith. And because of that, God told them, you shall not enter my rest. But for us believers who have heard the good news, the promises of God and Jesus Christ, we have heard this good news and believed it, united it with faith, just like we are told we get to enter into God's rest. Ten twenty-three. I kind of skipped ahead on this. Number two. So number one, it says, let us draw near to God. Since we have the full assurance, the confidence to go into the holy place, and since we have the great high priest, number one, we can draw near to God, which we have already done in Christ Jesus. But number two, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. And what is our hope? Better yet, let me rephrase that. Who is our hope? It is none other than Christ Jesus. We hold fast to the confession of our hope. Our hope is not based in me. It's not based in ourself. It's not based in your mom or your dad or your children. Your hope is based in Christ Jesus alone. That is what we are holding on to. That is what we hold fast to. That is why whenever things go wrong in this world and we see wars and horrible things that happen like just happened in, in Texas at these schools, that is why we hold on to our hope because our hope is not found in me or you or in this man or that man or the government or the system or laws or rules. Our hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And we are secure in that hope. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. No matter what we are facing, that is our hope. I'm going to tell you something right now if you hadn't figured it out already. Most of us, most adults have already figured this out. Eventually, eventually everything kind of lets you down in one way or another. Systems, governments, people, stuff, things, it all lets you down at some point. It all promises to fulfill your every want and need. That's what politicians make all their speeches on, right? I'm going to fix everything. I'm going to make it right. If you just vote for me, I'm going to get this thing back where it's going to go, where it's supposed to be going. Our hope is Jesus Christ and nothing else because he is faithful. So number one, we draw near to God. Believers, we've already done that. Number two, we hold fast because he is faithful. And number three, it says, and let us consider how to stir up one another. Stir up one another to what? You can get people and stirred up in all kinds of different ways. Are we supposed to get them stirred up to jealousy, anger, wrath? Are we supposed to get people stirred up to feeling bad about themselves? No, what does the scripture tell us? What does it say there in verse 24? Let us consider how to stir up one another to love. Love and good works. 
Do you want to know what you should be doing, what you ought to be doing? How about you start right here with this? After you've drawn near to God and hold fast to the confession of your faith, your hope in Christ Jesus, when you're dealing with other people, the first couple are between you and God. Number one, you've got to draw near to God through Christ. As a believer, that's what you've done. Number two, you hold on to that. And Christ holds on to you. We'll talk about that probably next week. But number three, whenever you're dealing with other people, let us consider this. How to stir one another up to love and good works. We talk about love. We could go into that famous passage that Paul tells us that love is patient. Love is kind. All those things. We typically hear that at a wedding, but it's not about, it's not about marriage at all. It is about love. So let me ask you this. Are you stirring people up to love and good works? Is your behavior with others, are you stirring them up to love and good works? Or are you stirring people up to get them all riled up into dissension? Are you stirring up problems and issues? Or are you stirring them to love? Are you encouraging, admonishing, uplifting, helping You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, says that we are saved by grace through faith. And this is not of works, lest anyone boast. And then it goes on to tell us that we are God's workmanship. We're actually his masterpiece created in Christ for good things, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You realize you're not saved because of your good works, but you're saved so that you can do good works. You're enabled to, with that new heart, that new spirit, all those things. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. In verse 25, he goes on and encourages us. And let's don't forsake meeting together, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Again, think about the time, the period this was written in to the early church, who's under persecution who could be killed one day because they believe in Christ Jesus. Some people probably wanted to kind of run and hide and get away from certain things. But we're encouraged to gather together to meet. And again, encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's incredible to think about this. When we think about what should we be doing as Christians. Because we've been given this. Because Christ has done that, because we live under the new covenant, because we've been freed from the law, because we've been freed from our sin, because we've been given a new heart and a new spirit, because, 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 because. Now let us. And what what does Paul, not Paul, what does the author go into here? He could go into a list of all these things that we should and should not do, returning us back to the law, but we read here, First and foremost is through Christ Jesus, we draw near to God. Let me tell you, believer, if you believe in Christ Jesus, you have already drawn near to God. He's given you a new heart and a new spirit. He's put his Holy Spirit inside you. And if his Holy Spirit has been united to you, can you get any closer? That's pretty hard to get closer to something that you're already united to, right? You're not going to get any closer. You've been united to God. By his Holy Spirit. 
believers have already drawn near. This draw near, let us draw near, is for those who have not yet believed. But number two, we hold fast to the confession of our hope. And we hold on to this message. We believe and we keep believing because he who promised is faithful. And let me assure you of this believer that you are not, your salvation and the security of your salvation is not about your ability to hold on to God, but about God's ability to hold on to you. It's about God's ability to keep his promises. If God said, I'm going to do this, you better believe he's going to do it. And if God said, I've already done this for you, you better believe he's already done it. It's not about your ability to do. It's about his ability to keep his promises. And number three, how to stir one another to good works, to love, to encourage, to gather in fellowship. We were created for fellowship. Our God is a God who lives in fellowship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit lived in fellowship in eternity past before the world was made. They've always lived in this perfect, harmonious relationship. And do you realize that Colossians 3 tells us that your life, your life as a believer, is hidden with God in Christ? Your life is in that divine fellowship. Through Christ Jesus, because of Christ Jesus, you've entered into that perfect relationship. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been united with him. You can't get any closer. All of these wonderful things we have because of him. Since we have this, let us, let us draw near. Let us hold fast. And let us stir one another to love and good works encouraging and fellowshipping with one another. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this time to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as those who have been forgiven and redeemed because of your Son, Jesus, and the blood that he shed for us, giving his very life so that we could have life in him. God, we thank you that because of your Son, we can draw near to you. We thank you that we are welcomed into your presence as your blood-bought children, God. I pray we Never take that for granted, but we are always amazed by that. What you have done, what you have given us, how you have changed us from the very core of our beings. Our hearts themselves have been made new. We are so thankful, God. We are so thankful that we can draw near to you. We are so thankful that we have such a great high priest, your son Jesus, interceding. At all times, he lives forevermore to intercede to those who draw near to God through himself. And we praise you for that, God. We thank you for that. And God, I pray that you would encourage us like the words we read today. For anyone who's not yet a believer, God, I pray that they would know that they can draw near to you through your son, Jesus, if they will simply believe in him. 
if they will simply look to him for salvation and forgiveness, that he will forgive them and make them new and clean. God, I pray that you would help strengthen and encourage all of us. We live in a fallen world and times are difficult, different struggles. We see evidences of this fallenness all around us through, through wars and tragedies, God. And I pray that you would help us, strengthen us, stir your spirit within us to move us, God. That we would see all the more reason why this world needs you. That we would be bold in declaring your name and sharing your truth and loving on others, God. Pointing them to your son. And I pray, God, that you would help us as we interact with, with others. As we interact with uh, church members, as with our family members, with co-workers everyone we come across, God, may we be those who stir people up to love. That we point them to your son, Jesus. Lord, what an amazing thing it is to realize all that you have done for us, all that you have given us. And we praise your name because you alone are worthy. You alone have done this all. And we get to enjoy it freely because of your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we pray all this in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our King Jesus. Amen.